with Miss Debbie, <clears throat> Miss Patricia. And Richard and Karen. Very good. Joy is hard to define. I've tried all week to come up with an appropriate definition of joy. Some people use an acrostic that has absolutely nothing to do with joy. You've heard it, probably. Others struggle to define joy much beyond happiness. Joy is more than happiness, but certainly not less. Joy is permanent, not fleeting. Perhaps the best definition of joy that I found is this. They say joy is the inner transformation of the saved. The inner transformation of the saved. That is, those whom the Lord has saved have unending, everlasting joy in him. In Isaiah chapter 12, we see the abundant joys of God's salvation. The joy of the people who know and who have experienced firsthand the salvation of God. It's joy, the the inner transformation of the saved, that bursts forth. The prophet Isaiah is letting the people know what they will say in that day when the Lord rescues them and brings them from captivity. Isaiah knows the people of the Lord will rejoice with great joy. It's the natural and the supernatural response of those who have met the Lord, those who have seen a salvation. The Magi, that group of wise men who traveled from the east to find the one who was born king of the Jews, were told rejoiced exceedingly with great joy upon finally meeting the young child who was himself God and worthy of worship. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they fell to the ground and they worshiped him. Joy is an emotion. Joy is a response. Joy comes from the deepest part of who you are. It's happiness and jubilation, but the source of joy is not in circumstance. Joy comes from an awareness of well-being with your creator. Joy is the product of being known by God and knowing God. It's the product of being known by God and knowing God. We have here in Isaiah 12, we're on kind of an Isaiah Christmas kind of advent. We have both personal and individual joy. Corporate joy, gathered joy, it's joy in many parts. Personal joy leads to corporate joy, and corporate joy leads to proclamation. What we see first here in Isaiah 12 is personal joy. The English language fails us on a number of fronts. Not least of all is differentiating between the singular and plural pronoun you. We say you, and we might mean one individual person or a whole group of people. It's hard to distinguish in English which is meant. Here in Isaiah and elsewhere in the Bible, when you read the word you, it might be singular and it might be plural. 
We have to turn to other resources to let us know. Unless you read Hebrew, which in that case, it would be very clear to you, and I could really, really use your help. Read Hebrew? I need someone, someone learn Hebrew, and then you can help me when, when I'm preaching from the Old Testament. Your study Bible might even have a note about which you is plural here in Isaiah. In verse 1, I'll just tell y'all, see what I did there? Y'all, all of you, not just you, but y'all. Uh, I'll tell you, the you in verse 1 is singular. It's singular. Isaiah 12.1 says this, In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord, although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. In that day you will say, Isaiah is saying, each of you individually will say. This is made clear by the other personal pronouns in verses 1 and 2. I, me, me, my, I, my, 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 circle the personal pronouns. These verses, 1 and 2, describe our own personal experience of salvation. It's personal. It's individual. Ray Ortland Jr. is correct. He says there is no secondhand salvation. Salvation is, to begin with, immensely personal. It's an individual experience, an individual reality. It's personal. You cannot ride another's coattails. Salvation has to be experienced individually. And when it is, there's accompanying individual personal joy. He is my salvation. I will trust. The Lord is my strength, my song, my salvation. The joyous individual will praise the Lord for the fact that he has turned away his anger and has granted comfort. The greatest wonder in, our, in all salvation, the greatest wonder in all salvation, Isaiah argues, is that God, your former enemy, would save you and comfort you. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Make no mistake, apart from Christ, God is righteously angry with you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> apart from Christ, God is righteously angry with you. His wrath is directed at you. Your sin warrants the wrath of the holy God. You are by nature, Ephesians chapter 2 an object of God's wrath. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his patience he left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus is our sacrifice of atonement, our propitiation, which is an incredibly important word defined as an offering that turns away the wrath of God. Propitiation, an offering that turns away the wrath of God. God offered up his own son as a propitiation for our sin. Jesus turns the wrath of God away from us and takes the hit for us. Isaiah says the joyous individual will realize this, as he does in verse 1. Namely, that God who was rightly angry with them has now graciously turned away his anger. That is the greatest wonder in, our, in, in all salvation. It is. God righteously angry with you is angry no more. 
because of Jesus. When a person understands the wonder and the weight of salvation, they will joyously burst forth in songs of praise. Verse 2 says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is an inner welling up of joy upon remembering what God has done. The salvation that God has brought. This is unrestrained song. The individual breaks out in song. They, they can't help but sing. It's a little bit like the old musicals. Oh, a deer, a female deer, ray a drop of golden sun. Me, a name, I call myself, a long, long way to run. Oh, a needle pulling fair, long enough to follow so. Tea, a drink with jam and bread, that will bring us Singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. What a glorious feel, and I'm happy again. It's crazy, isn't it? Think about how silly those music. I, the Sound of Music is the greatest movie ever made, and we can fight if you want to go. I mean, I'll leave right now. We can fight about it. I love it, but it's it's crazy. Maria the Von. Trapped children running around, riding through the streets, singing, dancing, and no one, no one they're with or no one walking by them seems to even notice or care. I mean, there's a, there's a gardener in the back there just trimming this hedge, like, no big deal. There's eight crazy people just singing and dancing and running all. No, it's crazy. And then Gene Kelly, a grown man walking down the street, happily sloshing along in the rain in the puddles, wonderfully in love, and he just starts singing. I mean, I guess you kind of knew it was coming. It's in the title, Singing in the Rain. But to enjoy those scenes, we have to suspend belief just long enough to play along. We have to let the spell of the movie come over us and somehow learn to identify with a governess and some children running around singing nonsensical do-re-mi and a grown man out in the rain soaking wet, not caring at all, just singing his head off. It's crazy. Those old musicals are downright crazy if you think about it. What's not crazy is the joyous singing of a person that God has saved. That should be us, delighting in the salvation that God has brought us. Maria, the Von Trapps, Gene Kelly, they don't care at all. They sing over something much less significant than salvation. You see, God has put into our hearts the same capacity, the same freedom to break out in song as the wonder of his saving love fills our hearts. In fact, this is what we're created for. The kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, in that place, we will glorify and enjoy God forever with unrestrained song. Isaiah says, in that day, each of you individually will borrow the lyrics from the song of Moses, the song that Moses sang after the Lord delivered the Israelites from the hands of the Egyptians. This is what Moses sang. See if this is familiar. Moses sang after he brought him through the Red Sea. He said, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. 
This should sound very familiar if you're paying attention because it's the exact same words in Isaiah chapter 12. We, someday, will echo Moses' song. Isaiah tells us we will. We will be so overwhelmed with joy at God's salvation, we will even overuse the personal name of God. Verse 2 says, The Lord, the Lord, that is Yahweh, Yahweh, is my strength and my song. Another version actually translates it for Yah, the Lord, that is Yah, Yahweh, is my strength and my song. When the Lord determined to make Jesus the propitiation for my sins, when the Lord God ordained that his anger for me would crush his son and not me, when comfort came to me instead of wrath, I come into, you come into the personal possession of God himself. He made it possible for us. God made it possible for us who were formerly his enemies to have a relationship with him. What joy. Isn't that joyous news? Because of God's grace shown to us in Jesus, we stop standing outside the store, peeking in wistfully at the treasures in the window. We walk right in and receive more than we could ask or imagine because this owner refuses to do business on the basis of our payment. Everything is free, and we will share him all together. The pronoun in verse 3 shifts to the plural. With you, that is, you all, with joy, you all will draw water from the wells of salvation. We live in a burning wilderness, and God is all our satisfaction. He opens up to us wells of life-giving fullness through Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, enough for all time and eternity. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water... Speaking of him, speaking of the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, Jesus says, and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. When the believer comes to Christ and drinks, He not only slakes his own thirst, but he receives such an abundant supply that rivers flow from him. The point that Isaiah is making, the the prophet Isaiah, now puts words into the mouths of the whole community, the rest of the chapter. The unrestrained song of one, the individual, the joyous solo of verses 1 and 2, now modulates into a singing community, a great and joyful choir. In that day you all will say, give praise to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. This is corporate joy. All y'all, all you people gathered together will say, The people of Zion are all together given a singular task. Their corporate joy, the joy each of them have individually, comes together and in praise, in proclamation, in shouts and songs of joy. All the people of God are to, together, give praise to the Lord. They are to proclaim his name. They are to sing to the Lord, to shout aloud, to sing for joy. And why? 
Why should all the peoples of the Lord unite and do this? Because he's done glorious things. And this should be known among the nations in all the world. What has the Lord done for us? What glorious things has he done for us? This is where you answer. Hope, peace, truth. What glorious things has he done for us? Brought us together. Nancy. What glorious things has he done for us? Every people in every age has a long, long list of what the Lord has done. Our first thought ought to be to give praise to the Lord and thank him for salvation. This is the theme of Isaiah chapter 12. This is the theme of scripture. In fact, it's the theme of Christmas. Christmas isn't presents and trees and Santa Claus and whatever else. The theme of Christmas is salvation. Jesus born to us, Emmanuel, God with us, the one who would save his people from their sins, wrapped in swaddling clothes. God himself, salvation himself that we can hold in our arms. The Lord has done glorious things, excellent things, none any more glorious, nothing more excellent than turning away his wrath and granting salvation to a miserable lot of sinners. The Hebrew word for the English phrase, what he has done, that phrase, what he has done, is just a word in Hebrew, is used once to describe God's general care, but always elsewhere used of his saving work, especially in bringing his people out of Egypt, out of slavery. The people of God, in their gathered joy, are to proclaim what he has done and also proclaim his name. That is, they are to joyfully, corporately raise one voice and worship him for who he is. Just to worship him for who he is. The majesty and the transcendence of the saving God are to be on our lips. We are to sing. We are. Our personal joy wells up to song, and we corporately sing. We're supposed to sing to the Lord, to sing for joy. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. Song is called for, but get this. Song is not just an expression of feelings, feelings of elation. Song is a response to the works of God. Okay, it's confession time. Sometimes, sometimes I don't feel like singing. Sometimes I've had one of those weeks, or my thoughts are going in a million different directions. Sometimes I'm self-conscious. Sometimes I'm disengaged or distracted. Sometimes my heart is cold. Sometimes I just don't feel like singing. But what does God deserve for his many works? He deserves my singing, my worship. He deserves the full, glad-hearted, full-throated praise of his people. I don't care if you sound good doing it. You're to sing. 
Joy leads to singing. Joy is expressed in song, loud, joyous shouts of melody and rhyme. Sing out, sing aloud, sing for joy. These are commands. Every individual and the whole community are likewise absorbed in salvation, in its joy, in the proclamation of it. The proclamation of salvation among the nations and to all the world. This must be made known. Personal joy leads to corporate joy and leads to joyful proclamation. This joy is the inner transformation of the saved. Joy doesn't stay put. Joy is no hermit. Joy is as extroverted as they come. Joy is like that animal that weasels its way out of the kennel or out of the fence. Joy always finds a way out. Always. It always makes a way forth. Isaiah seems to realize that joy, the joy we have because of our salvation in God, that joy needs to be spread. The nations, all the peoples of the earth, need to be told. We are to make his name and his deeds known among the nations. And that task, friends, is far from done. Long way from done. There are hundreds of millions of people, hundreds of millions of people, who've never heard. Our joy should carry us to the nations. At the very least, our joy in Christ should take us across the street to our neighborhoods, to our community. That's the very least our joy should do. The joy welling up in you, the joy of of your salvation, the joy of relationship with your God should burst forth from you like streams of water. Our corporate joy should flood Rich Hill, Bates County, Missouri, our our nation. The joy of the people of God, the joy that they have in the salvation should flood the earth. Let this be known to the world. Isaiah foresees one message spreading out over the world, exalting the truth about God, awakening all peoples to the infinite greatness and majesty of God revealed in his saving deeds. The angel of the Lord announced this joy to those shepherds that first Christmas morning. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Good news of great joy. For who? Just for me? Just for me. No one else. It's mine. You can't have it. Good news of great joy for all the people. What's the cause of this great joy? Good news of great joy for all the people. What's the cause? It's the same as the cause in Isaiah. The cause of great joy is that salvation has come. Salvation's come. A Savior has been born to you. This joyful news led the shepherds to Bethlehem running through the nighttime fields into town, around and through the roughly rocked streets, down the paths and alleyways, until they found Mary and Joseph. They arrived short of breath, joy welling up in their hearts, and they found salvation lying in a manger. 
The shepherds didn't swallow their joy. They didn't keep it all to themselves. They didn't hide it under a bushel. They let their joy shine. When they had seen Jesus, the Savior who had been born, what did they do? When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, were, which were just as they had been told. The joy of the shepherds, the personal joy, welled up inside them and sprang forth. Like a river, they couldn't begin to dam. They praised the Lord, proclaiming his name. They made known what the Lord had He had done something glorious, and it needed to be made known to the nations. Like an old musical, I believe, I believe the shepherds found themselves singing. That's what joy does. Joy sings. I think they found themselves singing through the streets of the town, all the way back to where their sheep were waiting for them and for the rest of their lives. Singing for joy, singing to the Lord, for he had done something glorious. Let us take up their mantle and sing for joy, songs about Jesus, songs of salvation, proclaiming his marvelous deeds until the whole world knows. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Let's stand as we sing, Joy to the World. Pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy we experience through your Son, Jesus. We can join together here in joy today. We thank you for the joy of life, of love, of, of salvation through your parents to us. Father, we go about our daily minutes where we look to you as our guide and our, and our leader. We do this praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Love you all.